Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West Salt Lake City, Utah. Joined by the big fellow, the chairman. Brett, how you doing, buddy? Oh, living the dream. Good. Except I'm kind of depressed because I was told the recession's coming. Mm. But we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Do I look depressed? <laughs> I don't look depressed. Brett never looks depressed. All right, market update. The S&P 500 as of today, what's today? The 29th of March, Tuesday. The S&P 500 is down 2.85% on the year. The NASDAQ's down 6.7% on the year. That's significantly above where it was the last podcast we did. Yeah. In fact, the NASDAQ is up 17.3% from its lows, and the S&P 500 is up 12% off of its lows. That's a pretty good rally. Who would have predicted that just a couple? When did we do our last podcast? Like two, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Boom. Who would have predicted that the market's going to be up that strong in just the last two? You can, no one. That's knows. why you stay invested. This is, it's also why you do something else. We have a, a couple friends um, that like an analogy that's called gas in the gas, gas in the gas tank. Gas in the tank? Yeah. Yeah. Jed and Brian. Yeah. They talk about this all the time. And so what do they mean by that? Well, if you're disciplined and contributing in a, on a monthly basis or quarterly basis, right, whenever you can, money to your investment accounts, then you always have gas available in your tank to, for us to buy at the right time. Right. We put a lot of client money to work. You know, not right at the lows, although I'm sure we did in some accounts time the lows. But in most client accounts, the the the, the S and P's down five percent, buy ten percent, buy Nasdaq's down twenty percent, buy. Now we're down two point eight five and six point seven percent. It gives us the opportunity to put put money to work when there's some attractive opportunities, and uh, I, it's a great idea. And I think all of our clients should be contributing on a regular basis into their accounts and uh that'll give us an opportunity to buy when there's good opportunities otherwise we're it's the, one of the things one of the problems that when you when we don't when we're fully invested and, and we have these opportunities it's not a problem but we can't take advantage of as easily of market corrections as easily we've done a lot of we've done a lot of changes to the portfolios and selling some stocks to buy some others that mm-hmm. were just incredible bargains but it's a little bit more difficult, and we don't love selling, you know, stocks or reducing allocations in stocks we love to buy other stocks we love. We just would rather use the gas in the gas tank to buy the stocks we love. Right. Right? hmm So incredible opportunity last month. I don't know if it's going to continue. I don't know if we revisit the lows. Wouldn't be surprised, but also wouldn't be surprised if we just hang out from here and grind higher. Ryan, lower? I have no idea. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, just <laughs> just two weeks ago, you know, we saw we we've seen a, a pretty good rebound, and uh, of course, we didn't predict that. And, and the next two weeks, not sure what's going to happen. Yep. Not too worried about it. Um, so, but it's been a fun year so far with options, with trading, <clears throat> with with buying, and and setting up the portfolio for the next two, three, four, five, ten years. I mean, it's been incredible opportunities. And I I have a different attitude. You know, I've been doing this for thirty plus years. I have a different attitude with market corrections. Um, I like them. I mean, believe it or not. And maybe our clients will get mad mad at me for saying that. But uh, 
when we have high valuations, when stock prices are trading above fair value, um, that that's just creates uh, your returns going forward will be less. I, I, I would rather have reasonable prices that allows us to put money to work at attractive prices for our clients. Of course, we'd all love the really ideally what you want is you want the stock prices to stay low up until you're ready to retire. And then, and then boom. once, and then once you retire, you want this yeah. big boom and that allows you to accumulate more shares when prices are when lower during your accumulation phase. And then, you know, have higher prices and retire. Of course, that's not realistic and you can't ever, that's never going to happen exactly. But, uh, Ideally, that's what you want. And so having reasonable valuations on stocks is, is a good thing in the long run. Yep, yep. And we talked about having a plan last time and the importance of that, and that fits right in line with what you're saying. Uh, a couple things that I want to talk about today other than just a market update. I want to talk about I've been told, like I said at the outset, that a recession is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we want to talk about that. Uh, and then I want to talk we, – we get a lot of clients – or potential clients that say, hey, I just want a dividend portfolio. Or, hey, I want a value or growth or just straight income. You know, they want those ideas or those types of investments. So I want to nip the bud and talk about growth versus income versus value. And probably most people looking for income, right? So dividend. So let's talk about that as well. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm going to take us back, Brian. A couple years to COVID. Okay. Okay. And I'll even backtrack a little bit more. Um, Do you know any, and people listening, do you know someone in life that loves drama? (laughs) Like they just love craziness. They thrive on it. They thrive on worrying about something. We all know somebody like that. Oh man, we do. We do. And so... The reason I – and think about as you're listening to this, think about those people that love drama in their lives, and they call you on the phone, and there's drama, 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 okay? But there's a large segment of our population that the news media preys on that are drama lovers, I'm going to call them, mm-hmm. okay? So two years ago, it was COVID, right? COVID, you know, and it was serious, right? I'm not – don't take it lightly, but it caused the drama lovers – I mean, they, they thrive on that. And then COVID all of a sudden disappears because there's a war to worry about. And now the war is kind of going away, and guess what's replacing that? The coming recession. Right. The economic collapse that's coming. So if it's not one thing, it's another. Okay? And to top it off, Brian, before we talk about a recession, I was, I was watching the 2 and 10 today. The 2-year and the 10-year. And it inverted. So explain what the two and ten years. <laughs> I know what it is. Explain it to the people. <laughs> We're, Brett's talking about the two-year treasury note or bond and the ten-year treasury bond and the yields on those bonds. So what 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 rate of interest those bonds will pay you, and that's that's what we're talking about. The interest rate that the two-year treasury and the ten-year treasury. So the two-year right now... Typically, the 10-year pays more than the two-year. Right. Right? And you would think that's the case because it's longer in time and you're assuming more risk by going out. So you should be paid more. Uh, Well, right now, the two-year is now paying more than the 10. So the two flipped above the 10. That's called an inverted yield curve. Mm -hmm. And here's the problem, Brian. 
This is what the drama queens and queens and kings and whatever you are these days. I don't know. This is what's on their mind. Since 1976, there's been five inverted yield curves. And guess how many recessions have occurred after those yield curves? Five. Yes. (laughs) Five. Five. So what do we do right now, Brian? There's a recession coming. There's... And we talked about this. There's always a recession coming. <laughs> There's always a recession coming. So when I hear this, when I hear statistics like this. Which I, you will hear if you haven't, <clears throat> folks. If you haven't heard it, you're going to hear it. Inverted yield curve recession's coming. So we were just talking about this before uh, we started recording. And I said, okay, and how long after this happens does the recession happen? I love this. The 17 months? Nine months? 19 months, here's my favorite one, 23 months, almost two years after the inverted yield curve took place, the recession occurred, and six months. Okay. So those are the last five. So the average is 13, 13 months before recession. And I keep saying, and I, there's always a recession coming at some point. So we know that's going to happen. And so I'm like, who cares? <laughs> That's, that's how, about the best summary we could. That's that's how I feel about it. Yeah. We do, we don't. No one likes recessions. I mean, there's there's economic hardships when we have recession. People lose jobs. Their incomes go down. There's a we talked about this last week. There's a kind of a reset on prices and things like that. No one likes that, and especially no one likes what happened in the financial crisis. I mean, that was much more than just a recession. That yeah. was. Almost a depression. I mean, that was the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. So um, I'm not making light of that, but recessions are typically happen fairly regularly, and uh, it's part of a normal economic cycles. So that's that's one thought on it. Um, so if a inverted <clears throat> yield curve, which did occur today, mm-hmm. occurs, it's it's like. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the best example is. It's, it's like a. Uh, I'm going to use Duke, North Carolina, because they're playing in the Final Four together, right? Against each other. It's like a Duke fan saying we're going to beat North Carolina, and then North Carolina wins five in a row, and then Duke finally wins, and he says, "See, I told you so." Like, of course they're going to win at some point. Mm-hmm. Of course there's going to be a recession. Like it's going to happen. But. From a timing indicator, from a, hey, take action on your portfolio? It, it comes, by the way, I have Duke and um, Kansas. Yeah, your bracket looks solid. I might have yeah. two, two of the, <laughs> both teams in the final. So possibly. You win the office pool. <laughs> I think I'm winning the office yep, pool. <laughs> you win. I'm out. Yeah, so um, I was uh, in my car today listening to CNBC. I think I was coming into work or something, and uh, – or talk about recession. I mean, that's what's that's all we're listening about. That is listening. It. Everybody's yeah. talking about p- potentially a recession coming. And three months ago, we weren't even talking about this. We weren't even talking about a recession. And now it's the, like you said, the drama. And I would blame a lot of the drama on the financial news. I mean, that's what they're all about: is creating drama and fear and excitement. Yep. And we've talked about it. And that's what Clicks. they that's what they do, yep. right? That's just what they do. They're they're the biggest drama queens in the world for sure. But I'm kind of scratching my head and saying, <laughs> where did this come from? And I, I know where it came from. 
Yeah. Just high out of, gas prices. High gas prices and higher interest rates and higher inflation. I remember in, in the late in 2018, we had that big 20% decline that last three months of the year, three, three or four mm-hmm. months of the year. Yeah. Guess what? You know what the conversation was then? Recession. The Fed started raising rates yep. and everybody started freaking about, oh, we're going to, you know, the economic Fed's going to slow down. The, the, the Fed is going to overshoot and cause an economic slowdown. And we're going to have a recession. What is a recession? Two quarters of consecutive negative GDP growth. Two two quarters. That's that's so all it is. How would that impact an investor's <clears throat> portfolio or future plan? So how a that recession? In, how that in, impacts a, a, a portfolio? It's it's just like the farmer that owns a farm. I, you're probably sick of me mentioning it, but he, over ten years he's going to have two, a couple bad years. Okay, we may have a, a down year. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Um, and but it doesn't change. The long-term strategy. If 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 you're invested in stocks, you're gonna you should be invested. You should have a time horizon of greater than three years or longer. So it shouldn't really impact what you're gonna do today or tomorrow. You, you just stay with it. Stick with it. And we do financial plans for people, Spencer and Matthew here at our firm. And when they tell somebody there's an 85% probability that they can accomplish their goals, which is very very good, that includes. Factoring in recessions, they run a the sophisticated software and they do a Monte Carlo calculation. It does it runs a thousand calculations on historical returns, the best, the worst, you know, yeah. b- bad years, multiple bad years, and good years, and all kinds of scenarios. And if you can get eighty per seventy, eighty percent, you know, probability on your portfolio, and that's and that's what we're that's what we we're want. that's that's exactly what we want, and, and uh, you shouldn't have to change anything so let's nip this recession conversation in the bud and i'm sorry to upset people that love drama because we're we don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) we like plans and planning for the future and probabilities you're saying brian if i'm hearing you correctly don't worry about it that's what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) okay good i heard you correctly (laughs) I, I'm afraid that some people will say, "Well, you're, you know, you're insensitive." I, I'm afraid that maybe people will say that. And what I'm saying is, it really shouldn't change your investment approach. No, we, it's not insensitive, because when there's drama and fear in people's minds, that's when they make dumb mistakes that destroy their their capital. Good, good point. And. If we can keep people calm, which they should be, with that drama that they're going to hear and are hearing, then we prevent them from making the bad mistakes. Stick to their plan. Yep. Have a plan and stick to it. Yep. And that's exactly what we're doing. So have peace, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last thing I want to talk to you about. We hear in the financial world, you know, you got to buy growth stocks. Or value's going to make a comeback. Or, you know what? You should focus on income stocks. And that drives me nuts. And, and, but I want to hear from you. Growth versus value versus income. Which is best? So let me say, let me, let me break this up a little bit. All right. Growth value first. Okay. Okay. There, there's no such, there's no such thing as growth stocks. I mean, there are people categorize them, but I think it's the wrong way to look at a company or a business or how to value a business. The definition of a value stock is typically a business that sells at a, historically sells at a lower 
multiple of earnings or a lower valuation based on the earnings of that company. So a lower multiple in today's market, that probably means, you know, somewhere in the teens, like a 15 multiple or even a 12, you know, some, we own some bank stocks that are selling at 12 multiples. That would be considered a value stock, a traditional value stock. So can they not grow? Say that again. So can that, that value stock has no growth behind it? Let's is that see, what they're see, saying? That's where the problem comes. Yes, it is. And then you have growth stocks who are, by definition, companies that growing their earnings at a higher rate. Those are growth stocks. Some of the more you know well-known companies, Apple, Google, some of those are what we would call- Zooms of the world, Zooms, last couple of years. Yeah, those are yep. growth stocks. We don't look at stocks- like that in that lens we're, we're looking at we're looking at the growth and the value of that business or looking at the growth of that business and using that as part of our calculation on the value of that business you know what the business is worth so growth is part of the calculation we don't say oh let's go out and buy some value stocks oh we should go buy some growth stocks because they're popular that's not the right way to look at it so that's growth and value I think it's a wrong. I think it's the wrong way to look at you know stocks. And people are saying, okay, well, I'm going to go buy value because it's popular right now, or I'm going to buy growth or growth and value. Wrong. I think it's wrong. We look at it as growth at a reasonable price. Right, and growth is part of the calculation of value. Yeah. When we when we calculate the value of a business, <laughs> I love that. Growth yeah. is part of the calculation. How we yeah. when we calculate value. If you got a company growing at twenty plus percent a year, growing earnings at twenty plus percent a year. You need to take that in consideration when you value that business, and that's what we do. As opposed to if you got a company that might be growing at a lower rate, say let's say six or seven percent earnings growth historically, you need to look at that. You need to account for that as well. It could be a good value investment at a higher multiple, right? Because it's growing so much. I think right now, some of our what I what most people would define as growth stocks are actually really value stocks. They're re- very valuable. They're they're selling at discounts to their intrinsic value, mm. but most people wouldn't say they're they would not say they're value stocks. They say they are growth stocks, but they're selling at value prices. So you're saying the whole growth and value debate, ignore it. Abs- I I believe you should ignore it. That's the wrong way to look at stocks. So then income. Right. I like where we're going today. Ignore the recession, <clears throat> or don't ignore it, but. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And ignore growth and value. We are clearing the deck for people today. <laughs> Income. <laughs> yeah, don't don't have a strategy say, okay, I'm going to go buy growth stocks, you know, because it's supposedly popular. That's what I'm hearing in the news. That's what you're hearing. Or I, that's what I heard today. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going back into growth names, or I'm going back into, in fact, growth names have had a rebound, so now it's the popular. Where three weeks ago it was value stocks. Oh, yeah, I'm going into value. That's just the wrong way to do it. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Okay, income. I want a dividend-paying stock, Brian. So income, I love dividends. Nothing against them. Talked to a client today about it. He he, talk, he asked me about dividends and what do you think about it, you know, wants to invest in dividends. We, I think, pro, I don't know, I get this question or request or. A lot. A lot. A lot. Oh, I want to buy dividend stocks. Yep. And I think a lot of people think that if they own dividends, the, that, that must mean that this company is stronger financially, secure, more secure financially, because they're paying dividends. Which it's, is not true. But it can be, but it's not. That's not how you define a good, solid company. Yeah. There's, there's, or they look at income as being the cash flow that they need to live in retirement, right? I need those stocks to be creating 
income so I can live in retirement. So now I'm going to come back to value and growth, or at least value. Oh, boy. You should focus on value, not the in, not the dividend. What do you mean? <laughs> Meaning at, identify businesses that are selling at a discount to their intrinsic value. And if they pay a dividend, great. But don't focus on the dividend. What that does is it causes people to overpay for income or for dividends. It happens all the time. All we, the time. You, we were talking earlier, AT&T, tip, great example. Yep. Uh, they cut the knees out of the dividend. People that bought that stock for a dividend in the last five years. There's so many. There's yep, so they, many. Yeah. They lost half of it. So many people have bought AT&T and these, and not just AT&T, but companies that have high dividend yields, chasing the dividend, and then they look at their returns three or four years later and like, that's been terrible. All right, let's talk about returns. So don't chase income. That's just the wrong way to do it. So there's a dividend aristocrat ETF, SDY, and I looked at five years of returns. Okay? If you would have invested $10,000 into that dividend paying ETF five years ago, you would have 14750 bucks, So a return of 48% in five years. Mm-hmm. Eh, 48%? It's actually not that good. <laughs> well, let's judge it compared to the S&P 500. That's, that's got to be like three. That, uh, that was over how many years? Five. Oh, okay. That's about 7 or 8% a year probably. So uh, five years, S&P 500. So not focusing on the dividend, just buying the index. Your 10000 becomes almost 20000 19610 which is a return of 96%. So what, what – and by the way, that's still giving you a dividend at 1.2%. It's just kind of like icing on top of the cake. And probably the rough estimate annual return on that S&P is probably around 15 and half of that in the, the dividend fund you just mentioned, probably 6 or 7%. I mean, neither of them are terrible. I mean, the, obviously, the S&P is much better. Well, it's the last five years, too. Right. And, but, but of course, you'd want, you'd want the S&P. What would you rather have? Well, of course, you want the S&P. And the S&P pays a dividend. But if you're not, you know, stop focusing so, on so just the dividend. If I need money to live off of in retirement, and it's, I mean, the Amazons, the Apples of the world, those aren't recommendations, examples. They've outperformed the S&P over the last five years. Um, Amazon doesn't pay a dividend. Can I still use that for retirement income? You can. And we do it all the time. Yeah. We do it all the time. We, For example, we may have a client that's, let's just throw a number. They want $5,000 a month out of their investment account. and to, We send it to their checking account. That's well, we, cash flow. Yeah. That's, yeah. But what we do is once or twice a year, we'll go out. And sell some stocks, replenish when you know when it's a good time, and put money in their their income future income needs account or in their money market account, and we just replenish those funds. So they have two years of needs, and that's coming from both dividends and from long term capital gains growth. So here's kind of the mantra at Iron Gate, right? It's not income for people in retirement. It's the potential to grow their income in retirement. And what I mean by that is typically you take 4 to 5% out of your investments to live off of. Like that's the normal formula. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you take 4% out of that 14000 versus 4% out of 20000 which one is the better income? Yeah, the, the higher one. So it's the focus not on dividend-paying stocks, which is, again, an extra benefit. 
but it's the idea of growing your income, which comes by growing your account. By growing your portfolio. Really, that should be the goal, not just, hey, I want dividend income. But the grow, the goal, like you said, should be growing your portfolio so that it will generate more revenue or or gains for you over the long term whether it comes from dividends or capital gains it doesn't really so at age 65 or should i say at age 75 you can take more out of your investment account which you need to because of inflation than you could at 65 because your portfolio is growing right if you have a two million dollar account versus a million dollar account which one's going to provide you more income over in the future so the focus of growth versus income versus value is completely oversold and it's just a dumb conversation in the media yeah (laughs) we're trying to identify value not necessarily a dividend you know dividend interest rate or going from value to growth but not our value the way we're looking at is is not traditional value investing it's we're trying to identify great value situations and opportunities that will create your portfolio to grow. You know, if you buy it, if you buy it at a good price, then you're five and 10 years down the road, your portfolio will grow and that will create more income, more income. And all the while Jed and Brian are still putting gas in the gas tank and creating (laughs) opportunities for us to grow it even more, to grow it even more. Yep. All right. So we've talked about, uh, the current market returns and how great an opportunity. When, again, when the market's down, send money. We can put it to work. That's a great time to do it. Talk about a recession, inverted yield curve, and growth value versus income. Yep. That's a podcast, man. That is. Covered a lot of topics. And I hope it 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 helps people relax a little bit more and not focus it. Again, what's that great song? Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. Don't mess with Mr. In Between. I'm not going <laughs> to sing it. That's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Eliminate the negative. So relax. We got a plan for you. Let me say one thing. Yeah, please. Advertisement. Oh. I was talking to Brian last week. Okay. Buddy, Jed's buddy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked me a question about you know how we do things. And he's been a client for several years. And I says, Brian, write that down and send it to me or email me. So what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is if, we, if those people who are listening, if you have a question, send it to Brett, send it to me, send it to Katie, and we can talk about it in one, in one of our on future podcast. podcasts. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love that idea. Yeah, send them in. Okay. Love to talk about it. All right, brother. Good luck in your bracket. Yeah. <laughs> this is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888 Five nine one zero three three four.